Heralds of Tiamat, the real Lord's Alliance. The Farron Fixers, arriving seemingly out of nowhere in the second floor of the Lord's Alliance Guild Hall in Waterdeep, were greeted by a large and imposing giant. Harshnag, to be specific, a very famous giant known for killing blue dragons and in charge of the Lord's Alliance group, ranking 5 Giants Company. Harshnag is tasked at this time to just be observing the the magic circles and making sure that nothing uh, bad happens in them. While he is there, though, uh, these group of people show up, all paralyzed, and they don't have the proper sanctions to be traveling through this particular magic circle. He uh, releases them of their paralyzation and asks uh, who they are and what's going on. She notices Atrophy and recognizes her as one of the Draconic Council and gets the information from her as well as some of the other party members. Upon knowing that, he uh, seems to sit down and wait for a message to be sent to uh, their handler, Aldor. As, Handler, as, the, as Aldor uh, comes, they uh, come to some conclusions and uh, realize that they are in the Lord's Alliance. And it was a bit abrupt, but, you know, they're fine. They're, this isn't anything dangerous or bad. And as uh, Aldor arrives with uh, this strange uh, Kenku creature and uh, another man who uh, seems to have strange hair and uh, skin tones, they, uh, they get a... A brief information that uh, they were unaware about. Uh, far from brief, actually. It was uh, an explanation of how the Lord's Alliance functions. Apparently, due to uh, Macath's sudden disappearance and kidnapping, uh, the Farron Fixers weren't properly informed of how their group is supposed to function. And uh, with so many new members and so many old members disappearing, dying, or moving on, uh, they uh, they were given an update, or at the very least, a reminder of how all these things work. So, this new uh, handler introduced this crack, the Kenku, uh, handed everyone a coin who wasn't already an older member. Crack made it clear that the older members uh, can keep their token because it does signify something and will provide some type of uh, intrigue around their future endeavors. Uh, each token is very specific to the handler, and the handler has it made for the party. So every handler, uh, regardless of who they are, is usually someone influential and has quite a bit of money. Uh, the tokens themselves uh, provide as magical items, and if you attune to them, you effectively can use the effects that the charges that the item has. Using those charges and those effects are quite useful, and they're all different depending on the Lord's Alliance group and the handler who uh, creates the objects. So, upon getting their new tokens and being made officially Lord's Alliance members, Kraka went into a huge exposition around uh, exactly how the Lord's Alliance functioned. Uh, to be put in uh, simple terms, they were told that it's a challenge and healthy com communication system. The idea is that you can challenge other Lords Alliances to groups to their rankings and attempt to climb the rankings into the top 15, which uh, will get you quite a bit of uh, renown, honor, as well as money and better missions and things like that. For now, Crack uh, uh, being their surly, strange, uh, new handler, and Aldor finally being done with them leaving the scene, Kraka explains that they, uh, do have some missions that he can choose for them to go to. These missions, uh, effectively are 
particular. And uh, while they were going to give out more, it seems like the Farron Fixers already had quite a few missions they had to take care of. Crack's advice is to take care of those missions because, well, nagging on them so deep into it might cause more harm than good for them at the moment. So the party decided to take the two missions that are north of Waterdeep, the mission to see if Leosin is alive and well, or at the very least where he is or what he's doing, and, it, and barring that to at the very least collect his supplies that he was supposed to take up there and take it to Leon Point. If all, if all that fails, then just to report that the mission was not successful. The other mission, a little bit more daring, a little bit more dangerous, is the hunt for Event Terrace, a very dangerous and very powerful ancient dragon, white dragon, who may be uh, inclined to provide some support against the herald of Tiamat, Nair Naeb Nadur. Uh, this uh, particular dragon is uh, being searched by everyone, including Nair, the herald, and uh, information might be found in Neverwinter if the party can manage to successfully infiltrate the location without any issue. After that, uh, they're essentially told that the raid should be happening in a couple days, so if they want to get out of here before that happens or stick around to deal with that, they best uh, get to preparing, and they took their 50 gold from a Crack for their negotiation mission that apparently went far awry and was informed by Crack that he uh, apparently has a lot to do with uh, the counselors in the Sumerian city while they're away. Uh, they uh, went to the Vendor's Fate to go resupply. Upon entering the Vendor's Fate, they got a peg leg for Cat, uh, found out information from Arietta from, about Leosin, collecting one of his baby teeth from her, and hopefully uh, Vistar will be able to figure out a way to track them uh, or find information about them and their current standing. Uh, they also met a very uh, powerful uh, trader uh, who was uh, uh, the Dame of... Erebos, Gematria, Feralda, Titan Flame, a very uh, strong mouthful of a woman, and a very uh, very interesting shop. Seems to be that she has magical counters that, uh, if you're thinking about it, the item will show up, and if uh, you're not given permission, or at the very least told what aisle you go to, everything in the building looks uh, more or less mundane or not worth too much money. So, uh, upon learning about these cool no magic shops, meeting Quinta again, getting some interesting sugar cookies, seeing kinks, and getting some armor made for Scrapshot's wings, the party uh, finally uh, came around to figure out what they're going to be doing, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to make the travel north to uh, <laughs> to Neverwinter, if uh, Corellia doesn't end up going off into the distance to go find the, the Drans and possibly acquisition Incorporated concerts. We'll see what happens next time on Herald of Tiamat, The Travel North. Heralds of Tiamat, The Travel North. The Faerun Fixers find themselves in a tavern called The Wandering Maiden. Upon uh, ordering drinks and getting comfortable, the rest of the Farron Fixers arrive and order drinks and enjoy the tavern's minstrels and, bar- and bards as uh, they go about drinking and communicating and finding out what they're going to be doing for the next uh, couple of days. 
um, seeing that there is quite a bit going on and quite a bit to deal with. They decide that some of them will turn in early, others will try to figure out a little bit more about this particular tavern, because it seems to be run by a woman called the Mistress, at least by everyone else. Uh, the Mistress finds out to be Inevra. Inevra is a dark elf who apparently is a handler in the Lord's Alliance. Some information is exchanged, and the party gets to know her a little bit more, but essentially uh, asks her to let them rent rooms and stay at the inn. Uh, La Safiero, uh, her sojin, which in uh, Dark Elf is essentially property, uh, is a, a bard or minstrel himself who uh, seems to be madly in love with the Dark Elf woman. Their relationship seems to be curious, and uh, the discovery of how that turns out to be later seems to be an interest of the Farron Fixers. However, upon uh, finally attempting to discover what they're doing the next day, they wake up in the morning to what seems to be quite a bit of uh, unrest. The town seems to be on edge, and there seems to be uh, what seems what looks like scouts for the next raid. Uh, not knowing when the raid will occur, scouts usually mean either a day ahead of time and or hours ahead of time. The fair and fixers decide that it's better to head out as quickly as possible than to stick around and have to wait out another raid. Scratch out on the other hand has to get to the vendor's fate, which is roughly an hour away from their current location, while the rest of the fair and fixers are a little worried about spending that extra hour trying to get to the vendor's fate and then essentially having to travel three hours to the location they need to exit the the city, they uh let Scrapshot travel alone making a deft movement with Motu's assistance to make it to the gate to meeting up with Atrafair and Crack, their new handler, the Farron Fixers wait anxiously for Scrapshot to return. Scrapshot going to the vendor's fate and making it with minimal issue, but noticing that there are more scouts about, uh, manages to get a hold of the Kinks and Chinks shop, talking to Kinks and getting their, uh, their armored wings uh, fitted and done. As uh, they were thinking about trying to put them on, it seemed that it was going to take quite a bit of time to do it. And they decided that it might be a good idea to just try to catch up with the rest of their party. Uh, heading out into town and realizing the throng of people tra traveling and trying to find shelter, uh, they decided to fly. Not realizing that flying seemed to be uh, the first place the scouts of the raid parties tend to hit first, barely narrowly dodging what seemed to be warded areas as well as lightning strikes from the sky, Scrapshot managed to uh, not be knocked out of the sky or damaged or hurt in those regards with some good deck saves, making it just barely to the next location, uh, seeing a family who uh, was tad worried about what was going on, and while Scrapshot was traveling on the ground, seeing a sinkhole appear on the floor, destroying a structure not too far not too far away, saving the little girl from the fall while the parents fell to, uh, not their deaths, but to their pain. Uh, the little girl seemed to be the weakest at the time, but her returning them to there and traveling back to her parent pictures did make her feel like she was doing at least some good instead of running away from this dangerous, uh, attack upon the city. Upon, uh, reaching the Farron Fixtures and some heartfelt exchanges, the Farron Fixers say goodbye to crack their handler and head out north to uh, Neverwinter. Uh, they start traveling along the road and are told by some guard captains that there seems to be an army on the move towards 
water deep and that they should try to stick to the coast to avoid all the major patrols. They might just have to deal with scouts. Upon sticking close to the coast and Amotu's deft survival checks making it very easy to navigate the location off off road, they do end up getting caught up by, but not surprised by, some scouts, a deep dragon, and some ash dragons. Uh, all of the drake variety, but dragonoids none the least, these dangerous creatures fell upon the party with their ashen clouds of fire and necrotic breath and dangerous stinger-like attacks. Uh, Motu nearly being knocked out in the first in the first couple of seconds and the rest of the party fighting off the group and making some epic blasts and blows to these creatures, finally defeating them and managing to escape with uh, their lives. Uh, not too many people hurt, but definitely enough to know that if they stick around and more scouts come, they could be killed. Upon escaping deeper into the north and hopefully avoiding the main body of the army, the Faerun Fixers are now going to find out what the plot has in store for them. Heralds of Tiamat The plot thickens. The Farron Fixers, narrowly uh, surviving an encounter with some dangerous scouts and avoiding the proper military of the raid, they decided to follow the coast to their location in the north. Their goal being a number of civilized and uncivilized locations. Neverwinter, Helm's Hold, Leon. All these places are north. But first, they're going to have to get by what seems to be the occupied route the road ahead that seems to be patrolled by various dragonborns and uh, in some cases dragonoids <laughs> upon uh, making some decent stealth checks and taking their time about getting through the the military's uh, scouts and the supply lines defenders the Farron Fixers finally made it to open travel where they can feel free to move at a regular pace However, they spent quite a few time traveling at a slow and careful pace, losing a lot of the day at that. While that happened, they decided that they, uh, they'll try a forced march with Scrapshot in the lead, giving them pointers on how to avoid feeling exhausted, and added an extra eight hours to their travel time. Upon getting to the next nearest location, they, uh, fell upon Thorn's Hold. A fortress that has been occupied by dragon born of the Heralds of Tiamat, particularly Nair, white dragon borns of the ice and cold variety patrolling on large giant ice lizards. They uh, all seem to be well armored and well supplied. Uh, however, there are few of them, not as many as this hold would normally carry due to the fact that their military has a uh, left to raid Waterdeep. This uh, mad rush out of Waterdeep may work in the Farron Fixer's favor. But now they have a decision to make. 
How are they going to get past Thorn's Hold? They have no boat or any way to travel across the coastal waters, and it seems to be well patrolled anyway. As well as the mountain ranges seem to be a good place for the dragons who rule over these people to kind of roost and hang out. Fighting a dragon on open terrain on the mountain would not necessarily be very advantageous for the Faron Fixers. Valis, on the other hand, knew a little bit about the world around him and has done some research. And he discovered that there is some sea caves that go under Thorn's Hold. Thorn's Hold used to be made by dwarves. And that important fact means that dwarves dig and they create fortresses both above and below the ground. The sea caves leading into it are a straight shoot through and under Thorn's Hold. It's likely still patrolled, but but if anything says about the patrols above, the patrols below are probably even less. This taking the the lowest risk and hoping that they can sneak past this current area in the sea caves, the Farron Fixers decided to find a small portion of the cave to hide and effectively create what looks like a barrier to deceive and or make less noticeable where they are spending their long rest. Upon <coughs> having their long rest, they, uh, they encountered quite a few of the creatures that were patrolling the area, noticing that these dragonborn seem to be affixed to the lizards that they are riding that can uh, travel both verticals and horizontal spaces, spider climbing very easily. Upon doing that, they uh, they decided that sneaking around would be the best decision for their current group. As they traveled and made it all the way to halfway through the sea cave, Scrapshot and the rest of the party were hearing a woman being tortured, or at the very least uh, threatened. Most of the party was interested in trying to see who this woman was and what was her connection to Leosin. And as they decided to go the, that direction, Scrapshot decided to try to head for the exit. Upon heading for the exit, they uh, they fumbled. They made a, a poor decision in, in stealth and uh, alerted a very dangerous captain of this current sea cave guard. That, uh, that did not bode well for Scrapshot. As the person became aware of them, they tried to hide, but not far enough or well enough. The person became aware of them and immediately started to combat them. Scrapshot, before managing to get in the conflict, was made aware that this is an Ouroboron. An Ouroboron is a very dangerous and very powerful dragonborn. They're blessed by Tiamat and are normally very, very good single combat fighters. So good, in fact, is that when they do fight with their dragon uh, counterparts, they can be healed by the dragon's breath and the damage that they provide. So this means that this particular Ouroboron, an Ice Ouroboron, can regen HP from cold damage. That being said, with the conflict arising and becoming violent, the, the members of the Farron Fixers began attempting to off as many Dragonborn as they can, and being unaware of Scrapshot's conflict with the Ouroboron, they tried to save the woman known to be Leanne. Upon getting her out of the cage and managing to avoid the Ouroboron's wrath, they 
all came to a conclusion that they have to get out of here as quickly as possible. But the Orban is still about stalking their area and has prepared the exits to be closed off. The Farron Fixers are in a tight place. And while the plot thickens to find out what happened to Leosin from Leanne, will they be able to escape and learn the exposition that they need for the next session? Find out next time on Harold to Tiamat's Exposition. Heralds of Tiamat, escaping Thornhold Caves. As the Faroon Fixers realize that their cover is blown and their stuffing is no longer effective, and the Oroban, the powerful ice dragonborn blessed by Nair and Tiamat, was on the prowl for them, they began conflict. The battle was fierce as members of the party ran in different directions, trying to kill several of the Dragonborns that were either mounted or with sabers and breath abilities. The battle was harsh and uh, difficult, as they managed to peel through the, the lesser Dragonborn infantry that uh, didn't seem to be able to hold up, and while the Orban was distracted by Atrophang, a Lumen, they managed to get closer and closer to the exit uh, while narrowly escaping the pursuit of what seemed to be the dragonborn heavy cavalry they left and traveled out into the the sword coast proper uh, trying to evade uh, being followed the star managed to keep on pacify the trace and unfortunately having to leave Atrophy behind because of her distraction giving her separation from the party, the rest of the group attempted to travel a bit forward and farther away from these dragonborn, hopefully to evade pursuit altogether. As they traveled deeper away and farther into uh, the Sword Coast, they reached the Mirror of the Dead Men, uh, entering this hostile swamp environment that has been radically changed due to the current and present circumstances knowing that the creatures here are not only volatile and territorial, but can be very dangerous to a group of unwary adventurers who are tired from a recent conflict. Uh, upon being followed by several huge crocodiles, uh, the party decided to turn back and attempt to evade them, and while doing that, ran into an adult white dragon passing over. Not noticed by the creature, managing to all stealth, uh, and just narrowly avoid its gaze. The cold that it left behind its wake seemed to be unnaturally freezing, uh, causing some of the party members to feel exhausted due to the back and forth. Using a Scrapshot's Force March, though, they pushed forward along the road, keeping a, as well of a guide on themselves as possible, but unfortunately finding out that there's no real cover on the road, so having to force themselves to do more travel into the hills not far across from the Mirror of Dead Men, making the 8 to 12 mile trek into the hills, finally finding safety for the evening. What will happen next time on the Heralds of Tiamat? Well, that's up to Leanne doing an exposition on Leonin. Heralds of Tiamat, Leonlon, Exposition.
the Fern Fixers, after finally finding some place in the grasslands and hills as safety, managed to head out early in the morning on their travel. Managed to make good time on the hill lands and skirting the edge of the the high road, traveling north towards Leon Lon. They discovered someone along the road. A Yuan Ti woman named Ineli. Ineli seemed a little suspicious at first, but after some discussion with Motu and the other party members of the Fair and Fixers, she uh, decided to travel along with them and uh, see if her skills can be used along their adventures. Further travel uh, brought them to the edge of the mountains that Leon is skirting. But uh, they realize that they'll have to either try to get closer to the town and take a, take a rest or leave the road and try to take a rest elsewhere. They decide to take a rest near the coast instead of the mountains because the mountains seem a little dangerous. Upon taking a rest on the coast, some of their watches seem to have fanciful and downright strange creatures around them. Uh, a gargantuan beast that crawled out of the mountains with many hands. A uh, swarm of spiders looking for the spider wood, leaving behind a small egg that seems to be not from this plane, a spider egg to be specific. And a golden stag, who seems a little promiscuous while at the same time prideful and full of uh, what would be considered narcissism. After experiencing their strange night, they finally headed to Leon. When they approached Leon, they managed to get past the first outpost of Dragonborn with large dogs. Uh, convincing them that they were going to be traders and that they'll be trading things in Lilan. After moving forward, the, the party arrived at the gates, uh, noticing that there's going to be another checkpoint to possibly ask about their goods or what their purpose is in Lilan. Before that, though, they ran into a water genasi, a woman named Xion. Xion has been trying to figure out how to get into the town because she's not a traitor and she wasn't aware of uh, the secret pay off the Minotaur's entrance fee. Discussing with the new party and asking if they can help her get inside so she can uh, get some supplies and feel a little bit safer than being outside, Jisso decides to try to get in on his own. He wants a bed, he's tired. He wants to see if he can get some rest in this town. Little does he know, Lilon doesn't really have what would be considered an inn anymore or a tavern. People are to pass through and only citizens are allowed to sleep or live there. Jusso manages to convince the Minotaur on guard that if he, if he does enough tricks and performances that he can sleep in the, the guard barracks. Minotaur watches the show and Jusso puts on a really great show. Uh, he's lackluster towards the end, but he manages to convince the Minotaur and uh, get a piece of his skin shaved off 
as a mark of what would be considered in the Minotaur's thing, passage and understanding that his, uh, he is his responsibility. So if just so did anything dumb, it'd be the Minotaur's job to likely kill him. Just so, managing to get inside and wait for the rest of the party on the other side, the rest of the party was discussing how to move forward. Lenan told them that they can try to pay the Minotaurs off. Uh, five gold each usually does the job. Or they can try to lie to them, or at the very least, make them think that they're going to be trading in the town. This uh, little debacle came to a bit of an argument amongst the group members, but they full-on decided that they'll attempt to sell things to the Minotaur, telling them that they are traitors. And if that doesn't work out, try to pay off the Minotaur to let them buy anyway. So... Upon approaching, Corellia managed to have the conversation and convince the Minotaur that they're traitors. They sell weapons and that they're looking to try to offload some of these goods here in Lilon. Getting inside and finally getting to the shopkeep and area, Lenan and Scrapshaw and Cat went to the place called the Tavers Post and went to collect information on the, the nearby Mirror of Dead Men's temple that she was recently at. Upon getting that information and stuff, the party was shopping for gear to their trip into the Mirror of Dead Men. Their gear consisted of swamp tents and sleeping bags, as well as swamp socks or boots, as well as some uh, trek poles, trek poles, maybe even a set of goggles, and some other items that would help the their main survival tests really be easier than before. The successful purchasing of those items and enough of them being prepared properly uh, allowed their DC to not only drop, but to also not have the party member who's in charge of the leading the expedition's uh, skill checks be cut in half, just reduced by five. So, now that they've uh, successfully prepared for their extreme environment trek into the swamp or the Mirror of Dead Men, they went back to the Tavers Post to discover what Lenan found out. Lenan uh, explained that the Farron fixtures have a bit of a tall plate to go through. At your face, seeming excited, Lenan continued saying that the Mossy Temple, the place where apparently she and Leosin found the White Dragon Mask, is overrun with lizard folk bringing prisoners for the dragon cultists to torture and or make use of or convert. Uh, the dragon cultists are inside the, the Mossy Temple, or rather, the Temple of the Crushing Wave, which is below the Mossy Temple. They use it for storage, so there's likely to be good loot. However, there is some dangerous creatures in there. The cultists, not too dangerous. They have a leader that is relatively strong, but not necessarily tough. But the dragons there are another matter. They have two young dragons, a sea dragon and a young white dragon. Otherwise, the rest would be younglings. How many younglings there are is unsure, but there is for sure a young dragon named White Dragon named Frosty left by Arthater, and a young dragon whose name has not been mentioned left by Shalabanoctran, the Sea Dragon. Both of these creatures seem to be in charge of Leosin's torture and information gathering. While uh, that is hard to hear, there is another danger that possesses the, the Crushing Waves temple. There's apparently a quite dangerous creature that lurks inside the Crushing Waves water 
seemingly only there because of Shale the Noctran, this dragon turtle is in the waters and is likely there to destroy any type of ship or large vessel that tries to cross over it. This uh, does uh, present some issues, seeing that they'll likely have to take the pathways that deal with the cultists rather than trying to take any of the waterways. But it's better than fighting a dragon turtle. They also find out that Leosin is broken into two pieces. His physical body, which is trapped in a particular type of magical orb, and his soul, which is also trapped in another magical orb. These Both these items, when brought together, make Leosin permeable in a way that makes some sense, likely through torture. Whatever magical means this is, is a mystery to the party as well as to Lenan. But the goal is to retrieve those two pieces and hopefully find a way to bring Leosin back. He is the last person who did see what happened to the white dragon mask and might have even more information besides that upon hearing all this Farron fixers decided that they can probably take on some cultists and even a white even a young dragon or two with atrophy's help who seems more than ecstatic to join the, join the fray upon preparing uh, for their departure they left the town, and having Jisso give up his bed at the, the Minotaur's barracks, uh, headed outside of town to do their final rest uh, before heading into the Mirror of Dead Men. And we'll find out what happens next time at the Mossy Temple.